hi everyone welcome to sunday night local today i will be continuing the series that we have been um doing called building your house um and we've been focusing on nehemiah but before we begin i would like to encourage you to get your bibles and your pens and your notebooks ready because i do believe that the lord um will speak to you and also i just wanted to um wait a few uh, seconds to let people join and just as i wait i just i guess do a recap of what we have been learning uh, on the series and we've been learning about you know god that he is a god that brings beauty out of ashes we've been learning about you know the significance of being united as we work um we've been learning about the mind that we need to have to work we've been learning about um how to deal with opposition um that we will face as we um build our house and the house signifies you know our lives it also signifies our family and um, it also could signify the church and also we learned about you know having our foundation as christ the temple which is very crucial and so today i'm bringing you a different aspect of building the house and i hope that this would just build on more and more onto the series and so we're going to start and i'm just going to say a short prayer and then we'll start right ahead okay Heavenly Father, you are mighty and you are good. Father, there is none like you and there is none besides you. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to um, fellowship around your word, Heavenly Father. And we believe that you are going to speak to us. So, Lord, plow our hearts, oh Lord, that they will be fertile, that as your word comes forth into our hearts, that it will bear fruit a hundredfold. I pray, Heavenly Father, that our ears will be attentive, our hearts will be sensitive as you lead us through this time together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. So um, today I'm going to be talking about taking new ground. And what does taking new ground mean? Um, to me, taking new ground means, you know, advancing the kingdom of God. Something that we see um, throughout scripture. And today we're going to just narrow into some of the scriptures that talk about kingdom advancement. But before we begin, let's get some definitions. So what does advancing mean? Um, so according to the dictionary, advancing means to move forward purposefully or to move or to cause to make progress. And what does the kingdom of God mean? Um, so the kingdom of God means a couple of things. Um, it means the rule and reign of God. This is seen in Psalms 24.1, which says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. The kingdom of God is also likened to a seed, which is the word of God, as we see in the parable of the sower. Um, but some of the parables where the, the seed is likened to the kingdom of God is the parable of the growing seed, which is Mark 4, 26, and the mustard seed, which is uh, the parable of the mustard seed, sorry, um, which is Mark 4, 30. <clears throat> the kingdom of God is also the gospel, as we see in Luke 9, 2, uh, which says, and Jesus sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. We also see in Luke 9, 11, which says, When the crowds learned it, 
they followed him and welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. We also see that the kingdom of God is a realm that you cannot see or enter unless you are born again. And we see this in John 3, 3 or John 3, 5. Um, and then lastly, <clears throat> excuse me. Lastly, the kingdom of God is his power through the Holy Spirit. So God's power through the Holy Spirit. And we see this in Romans 14, 7 um, and 1 Corinthians 4, 20, which says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. So moving on from this, we see that God desires that we grow continually in our salvation. First Peter 2, 2 says, Like newborn infants, Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. You know, it's not that when you get born again, that's it. No, there is a journey. You know, the Christian walk is a journey. It's a marathon. You've got to be taking steps daily. You've got to be growing, growing in your faith, growing in your knowledge of God, growing in, in service unto God and also unto the, unto the people that are around you. Also, God desires that we grow... <coughs> Sorry, God desires that we grow continually in our knowledge of him. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So we also see that God desires that his kingdom advances. And we see this in Luke 8.1, which says, Soon afterward, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. We see that God, um, Jesus taught um, the disciples, you know, how to preach. He even sent them out. <clears throat> but we also see that Jesus, when he went to the cities and the villages, he did not stay there. He did not camp in one area. Um, I think it's so interesting when the first disciples, whose names I can't remember, um, you know, went to him just before he had gathered the 12 and they were like, you know, you are the teacher. Tell us where you dwell uh, because we want to stay with you. Um, and I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> he was saying something like, you know, the son of man has no place to live. And that's very true because Jesus was on a mission and therefore he was not getting comfortable or setting up camp in one particular place. But he was continuously advancing, continuously moving, continuously progressing the kingdom of God. And also we see that in um, the Great Commission, which is like the, the, the mandate given to every believer which is seen in Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We are mandated to go to the whole creation and proclaim the gospel and make disciples. So we see in these few scriptures that actually it is the desire of God. It is the desire um, for God to... Um, for us actually to grow as uh, spiritually individually but also spiritually like uh, corporately you know in our families in our communities and also it's the desire of god that we go forth into the nations and advance his kingdom the bible says in one of the psalms that you know ask me of the nations and i'll give them to you as an inheritance so god wants us to ask him for nations he wants to ask him for influence in your workplace influence 
<clears throat> in your school so that you can go in those places and literally advance and establish his rule and his reign so what do new grounds look like to me when i was thinking about this i thought of um, new grounds looking like new opportunities that could be you know um job promotion you know a new friendship an opportunity to step out to maybe speak at a certain place an opportunity to represent someone it could look different in in um in every aspect of our life in different aspects of our lives um and here i see this in the book of ezra where we see a decree by the persian king for the israelites to return back to their land remember they had been in exile for over 70 years so these were generations after generations do you know these were like their children the children of those that actually went into exile and their children and now this opportunity has come for for these people that have spent their whole livelihoods in a foreign land an opportunity has come where they can now return back to the land that the Lord has given unto them. And so it could also look like territories, you know, as we see the Israelites, they move from Egypt to the land of Canaan. So new grounds could also look like new goals. You know, when the year has started, we always uh, make new goals because we see um, maybe areas in our lives where we want to progress, areas in our lives where we want to do more, you know, maybe in our finances, we want to budget more, maybe we want to make new friends, more friends this year. So new grounds could also look like new goals. Um, it could, they could also look like promises of God that are not yet evident in our lives. You know, when I read the word of God, I see things and, and you know, promises of God in my life. I mean, that he has spoken over my life that are not yet evident, that are not yet manifested in my life. And so that is new ground. That is a place where I can take charge and, you know, take hold of the promises of God. What, how do I, how does God see me? And do I see myself that way? Also, new grounds could look like challenges so we all face challenges in different degrees in different ways at different times of our lives um and these could be opportunities for us to actually you know go forth and and take charge and you know and um ask god for wisdom and also how we can face these challenges and in the book of nehemiah i see this whole um situation as a challenge to nehemiah because remember he had not been to Jerusalem himself. He was living in a very comfortable place. He was a cup bearer. That was a very good position. I would say that was a very good job. So he really had no need to be going back to Jerusalem. <clears throat> but his people had a challenge and he took church. So let's read Nehemiah 1, 1 to 3. So the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Cheslev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile. Um, and yeah, who had survived the exile? And concerning Jerusalem. And they say to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So in the book of Ezra, we see that some Israelites had returned to Jerusalem after the 70 years of exile in Babylon. 
and they had built up the temple of God and they had laid really the spiritual foundation of um, the Israelites. But then 15 years later, as some scholars say, is when we get to the book of Nehemiah. So when Nehemiah asks about the people in Jerusalem, as you know, his brothers had come to visit, he finds out that the people are in distress and that the walls of Jerusalem had been burnt down. This is a challenge to the Israelites. And Nehemiah decided to take it on and go rebuild the walls that had been burnt down. He didn't have to, but the Lord stirred his heart that he, he mourned and wept deeply for the distress that the Israelites were going through back in Jerusalem. Walls were more than barriers. You know, they, they, they were a statement. And as we see in the walls of Jericho, that symbolized pride and arrogance uh, of those people, but they also symbolized strength and protection. You know, a, a city without walls is likened to a person with no self-control. You are, you are vulnerable to anything. You know, you are vulnerable to any attack. You cannot, you have no like, you can't say no, you can't say yes, anything that just comes and just can sweep you away. And so the people in Jerusalem were in such distress because um, they were vulnerable to attacks from the people around them. And I think I can liken this to living in a house without a door. Like, I don't think I can sleep well at night or even just carry on the day because anyone can just come in and come out, you know, and I have no control over that. So also individually in our lives. We know those areas where we know that, you know, what is happening is not in line with the will of God. All areas in our lives where God is calling us to go deeper. God is stretching us. God is telling us that we can do more, that we can be more. And that could be, you know, in how we handle our emotions. It could be in how we view ourselves, our identity, you know, our new creation, how we think, how we relate with others and how we relate to God. In our household, it could look like the spiritual climate of the house, you know, the unity in the house, the quality time we spend with our children, with our spouses. In the church, it could look like how we are reaching the lost, um, how we are edifying one another, how we are reaching out to the needs of our community, and also how we are teaching the word. And it could, like, it could include a lot more than what I've just said. These are just a couple of examples. So how do we find and take on new ground? We are able to recognize new ground in our lives, in our family or church or in our communities or at our workplaces or in our relationships if we know the will of God. And how do we know the will of God? I hope you guessed it, through the word of God. You know, through the word of God, we come to know the king of the kingdom we belong to. Through the word of God, we come to know who God says we are. Through the word of God, we get to know his heart, his desires for our lives, for our families, for our co-workers, for our, work, uh, for our school colleagues, you know, for our friends. We come to know his desires for the community, for the church. We come to know even how we can advance the kingdom of God. In Jeremiah 29, 11, everyone's favorite scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope 
and a future. God has plans for you. He has plans for your family. He has plans for uh, your workplace. He has plans for the church. He has plans for the community. He knows these plans and he has also revealed these plans through his word. So the more we get to read the word, the more we meditate upon the word, the more we let the Holy Spirit reveal the word of God unto us, the more we get to know these plans. Romans 12 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. You know, here the scriptures clearly saying that for us to be able to approve the will of God, for us to be able to test and be like, is this the will of God? Is this not the will of God? Our minds have to be renewed and our minds are renewed through the word of God. Second Timothy three sixteen to 17 says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So here from this cup of scriptures, we really see that the word of God is really key to us finding new ground and also taking new ground. Secondly, we see that um, Nehemiah responded to the news he had with prayer and fasting. I'm so thankful, you know, as a church, we do corporately fast together and pray because this is very essential in us advancing the kingdom of God because the, 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 our warfare is not carnal. It's not, it's, not, um, it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities in the spiritual realm. So we need to be people that are strategically planning in a spiritual way, you know, using uh, our weapons of warfare that are mighty in God. And one of those weapons of warfare are prayer and fasting. <laughs> so taking new ground is fueled by prayer and fasting. Through prayer and fasting, we know the how, we know the strategy, we know the times, we're able to understand when to move and when not to. We're able to understand when to teach and when to um, actually correct someone. We're able to understand when to love, you know, and when to do something else. We're able to know exactly what we need to do to advance the kingdom of God. God never wants us to do things without him. And sometimes when we see opportunities, when we are faced with challenges, we are very quick to like go, 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 go and make plans and do things in our own understanding, in our own strength. But actually God wants to equip us because he wants to be involved in our every day to day lives, you know. So Nehemiah prayed for four months and it took him 52 days to build the wall. And this is what some scholars say. But the idea here is that it took him, he prayed longer than he actually worked. And that's not to say that, you know, for every um, thing that you're going to do, you have to pray longer than, and then you take a less time to work. No, it's more of like, it just really highlights the the need or the, or the fact that prayer is very essential. <laughs> so we're going to read <clears throat> Nehemiah 1, 4 to 11, and that's the prayer of Nehemiah from which we're going to just learn a couple of things on prayer. So as soon as I had these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, 
the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your, of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. So from Nehemiah's prayer, we learn a couple of things. We, we need to, oh, firstly, we need to know who God is. We need to know how God reveals himself. And God reveals himself um, as, our, as our restorer. He reveals himself as our savior, our refuge, our wisdom. You know, the Bible says he is faithful. The Bible says that he is righteous. The Bible says that he is love. God is the I am that I am. Whatever you need, he is. And so we need to know who God is so that we are able to pray to him effectively. We're able to pray to him we know with an understanding secondly we need to know the promises of god concerning our lives um concerning our lives our, our families our, the church whatever area you have identified in your life or family or the church what has god said concerning that matter you know is it health is it um a broken relationship is it a non-believer, you know, an unbeliever, a loved one or a work colleague? What is God saying concerning that matter? Then we need to acknowledge our sin because we will always fall short of the glory of God. But his mercy is sufficient. So things that, you know, um, God has called us to and we have not yet done, you know, delayed obedience is still disobedience. Um, and also things that we know we are doing, but we know they're not pleasing to God. We need to assess our lives and really look within and ask the Lord to forgive us. Then lastly, we need to ask for what we need. So Nehemiah needed success and favor before the king so that he would grant him the stuff that he needed and also the time to actually go to Jerusalem and rebuild. And this is what he asked for. So assess your life. Assess your family, assess, you know, your community, your workplace in light of God's word and ask him for what you need. Do you need strength? Ask. Do you need wisdom? Ask. Do you need favor? Ask. The Bible says that um, in 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears, he hears us, then we have what we need. 
James 1 5 says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. So finally, taking new ground requires action. It requires you to move. <laughs> I believe as we seek God through prayer, his word, and also as we wait on him, he instructs us on what to do. The spirit of God leads us into what to do. He gives us the practicalities. He tells us when to move and when to stop. He tells us when to build and when to stop. He tells us who to go to for help and who not to go to for help. We need to be obedient and move as God will not do our part. God will not do our part. He will tell us what to do. He will equip us with what to do, but he will not move our legs. So we need to hear and then move. Some of the examples I have here are if I want to take new ground in my prayer life, then I need to set aside time to pray. And that means I need to be consistent. But then also that, that means, you know, I need to read the Bible and see what it says about prayer. Because there are different kinds of prayer. There is supplication, petition, thanksgiving. So I need to learn about that and see how I can incorporate these different aspects of prayer into my life. Praise and worship. What does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Maybe it will mean that I get a prayer partner if I don't know how to, if I don't know where to start from, if I'm really scared um, and I just need someone to pray with. I could just, you know, call up someone who I know has a consistent prayer life or someone who I also know, you know, may be struggling to pray. And I'm like, do you know what? Let's be accountable to one another and let's pray together. And also I need to have a, an understanding of who the God that I am praying to is. If I want to take new ground in my relationships, then I need to practice what the Bible says in relation to how I should treat others. I need to be kind. I need to practice being kind, you know, thinking of others better than myself, you know, loving my neighbor as myself. I need to forgive when I'm offended or when people hurt me. I need to encourage others and rejoice with those that are rejoicing and weep with those that are weeping. And so much more, the Bible has a lot to say about how we relate with others. In terms of our households, um, it would mean praying together as a family, you know, praying over our meals, praying in the morning, depends on how it works for your household. Um, it would, could also mean planning activities to do as a family, for example, going on trips or cooking together and finding out what your children or partners think about certain topics, you know, what do they think about um, voting? What do they think about justice? What do they think about um, the righteousness of God? What do they think about? There's so many trendy things out here now that actually we need to know what our children are thinking. We need to know how they see the world or how our partners see the world. That is good conversation. <laughs> In our church, um, it could mean each of us walking in our spiritual gifts. I believe God has given each of us a spiritual gift. And the purpose for that is to edify one another. And so we need to discover these gifts and actually walk in them. And, you know, train ourselves in these gifts. Signing up to different teams. Um, you know, as the church puts out different projects to reach the community, to, to train up one another. We need to 
be part of this team so that we actually do the work. Giving time and resources to different ministries the church provides could be missionary work. It could be discipleship. Any ministry that your heart is drawn to, give your time to it. Give resources to it because then you are advancing the kingdom of God. It could also mean building relationships with people in our community, the people we are reaching out to, but also the people within the church, you know, going beyond the, the Sunday and actually getting interested in the lives of those that we fellowship with. So here we see that Nehemiah took action by actually asking for the resources he needed, going to Jerusalem and then mobilizing people to actually build we also see in the book of Esther when the decree to kill the Jews had been made that Esther prayed and fasted for three days. And then after she took action by actually, you know, going into the presence of the king and making her request known. So I want to end with this encouragement from Joshua 1, 2 to 9. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot would tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will not leave you. Or forsake you be strong and courageous for you shall cause these people to inherit the land that i saw to their fathers to give them only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law that moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it the right hand um, to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that it is written in it, that is written in it, sorry. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I want to encourage you as the Lord encouraged Joshua as he was, you know, getting ready to take and lead the Israelites to possess the land of milk and honey. They had been in the wilderness 40 years. The generations that had dis, um, um, disobeyed God had all passed. And this was a new generation. And now it was Joshua, um, the leader, leading them into the promised land. And God encouraged him by letting him know that he should not fear. He should not be dismayed. He should be courageous and strong. Why? Because the Lord is with him. And I just want to encourage you by saying, do not be afraid to take new ground. Do not be afraid to advance the kingdom of God in your family, at your workplace, you know, at your school. On the bus, do not be afraid because the Lord is with you. As you open your mouth, he will fill your he will fill your mouth with words. He will give you wisdom. He will give you strategy. Whatever you need, ask him and he will give it to you because he delights in seeing you advance his kingdom. And so I really, really hope that this um, has been 
I don't know, um, <laughs> good and that um, you have learned something. And um, thank you for joining. And for those that are watching the replay, thank you for watching. Um, may God bless you. Bye-bye.